Along with Shane this morning, I welcome you to Rivermont as we continue our sermon series in the Gospel of John entitled, That Our World May Know. Uh, The title is rooted in our vision statement that by God's grace, we pray that our world may know the love of Christ and be filled with the fullness of God. With that in mind, I invite you to open your Bibles or one of the few Bibles to the Gospel of John, to John chapter 15. We'll be exploring the first five verses. Now, the context of John chapter 15 is Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room. Uh, It is before his death upon the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and his resurrection for our salvation. Here, Jesus is affirming the last of the seven I am uh, sayings of himself here in the Gospel of John. He's declaring that I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. I am the vine and you are the branches. Jesus as the true vine brings life to all of us. As the vine, Jesus brings nourishment to the branches in order that we might produce fruit and thereby bring glory to God the Father. Now for you and for me, the vitality of our life is dependent upon our connection, this flow of life from Christ, the true vine, to us as His branches. And yet, as we are connected to Him, the result is we have life in Him. Life in the vine. So this is a reading of God's Word, John chapter 15, verses 1 to 5. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that does not or does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, as we now give attention to your word, please open the eyes of our hearts to behold the wonders of your love. As you do so, would you give us grace to draw our life from you, walking in your steps, enjoying your fellowship. Holy Spirit, Pour light upon these words which you cause to be inspired and write them now upon our hearts for Jesus' sake. Amen. Okay. Perhaps your experience is similar to my life experience. Here it is. Our joy is directly proportional to our relationships. Let me say it again. Our joy, our sense of well-being, is normally directly proportional to the status, to the health of the relationships that God has placed before us. Now, biblically, it makes sense. Now, think about it. When you're stressed, when you're frustrated, when you're depressed, when you're distressed, there's typically some relationship that is not going right. And sometimes... There are multiple relationships that are in strain. 
Now, on the other hand, and this is good news, when you really enjoy a sense of well-being, of being cherished, of being loved and being useful, your relationships are normally going very well. Now, there's another life experience which is clearly biblical, and here it is. The most important, the most determinative relationship of them all is your relationship with your Savior, Jesus. Whether you believe in Him or not, whether your friends acknowledge Him or not, you do have a relationship with Him because He is God and you are His creature. He is relating to you one way or another. The fundamental relationship, though, that determines all your relationships and ultimate Ultimately, your happiness and your joy and your sense of well-being is the depth of your relationship with Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus is addressing in our text this morning. He's in the upper room giving His farewell discourse to His disciples. The farewell is because in just a few hours He's going to die upon the cross. And very soon these disciples are going to experience the departure of Jesus Christ, their leader, their Savior, their Lord. And Jesus is very concerned for His people that after His departure, and now I'm speaking about what we will celebrate, this will be 40 days after the resurrection, His ascension into heaven. He's very concerned about this, and so He is working with His disciples and he's really encouraging them he's encouraging us to know how to sustain a joyful meaningful fruitful relationship with god almighty by abiding in him by remaining in him now to have life in the vine jesus is giving us three points and it really they address three questions those points are listed in your bulletin but first there is The nature of abiding, which answers the question, well, what's the nature of this relationship? Secondly, you'll see there that there's cultivation of abiding. Well, how in the world do we cultivate this abiding in Christ that brings us life? And then thirdly, the purpose of abiding, which answers the question, well, what difference does all this make after all? But we're going to begin with the first point here, the nature of abiding. What is the nature of this relationship? And Jesus just plainly says, very clearly, I am the vine, you are the branches. Now for my wife Elk and me, now we're talking about intimacy of relationship with Christ. So there's a little bit of connection with our closest friends, so just bear with me. For my wife, Elk, and me, we met one spring day right after she graduated from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. That's why we say, go Tar Heels in my family. But we married in the spring some three years later. Yes, we're coming up on our anniversary next month. But the last of those three years, this is what I want to share. The last of those first three years, they were great. For we understood our relationship. I proposed. Elka said yes. We walked through engagement. We got married. But the first two years of those three, it was a little taxing. He's moving in on me, she thought. She's not interested in me, I would respond in my thought life. I like him. She's awesome. Oh my, let's run away from one another. You get the picture. 
First two years, hot, cold, lukewarm, freezing cold. We really had to have a number of those DTR meetings. You know DTR? Defining their relationship. You need to define it, what it is. You know, and, and other people started seeing this. You know, you're together all the time. Everywhere you go, people assume that you may be a couple. There's lots of evidence that the two of you are together, like lots of pictures and what now we would call Facebook. And here, this is exactly what Jesus is doing. He is saying, we have been together for two and a half to three years. So let me define our relationship with one another. Let me tell you where we are. And the first thing that Jesus says is, I am the vine. Now, in the Old Testament, the Psalms, the prophets, and you'll see this, for example, in Isaiah chapter 5, Israel is called the vine, God's vine. And Jesus is rising up and saying, God called Israel the vine. He cultivated the vine, but the vine never really bore effective fruit. Therefore, this vine will be judged. And so now Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. I am going to bear fruit for the Father. I'm going to bear fruit for the Father. How? Well, by living a sinless life and dying a sacrificial death that will save my people from their sin. Jesus grows to the cross. He secures our salvation. What profound love. What profound fruits. And He delights Himself in you and me. So the first thing He's telling us, I am the true vine. Then He tells us who we are. You are the branches. Well, what does this mean? Well, first of all, it tells us that we are completely dependent upon Jesus Christ, just as the branch is completely dependent on the vine. You know, recently in finishing our Living Stones project, a group of folks worked together uh, to enhance our landscaping around the church campus. There's trees and bushes, plants of various types are all placed in various places. But we're currently in a six-week period that it requires a lot of watering to make sure things stay vibrant and alive and green. Well, and what I do know about watering, and I don't know a lot about watering, but I know you don't just go out and sprinkle the top of the, you know, the, the, the leaves. You go down and you get at the root. To bring life to the plant, you get to the root of the plant. And that's what Jesus is saying to us here. I am the one that will bring you nourishment. I am the one that will bring strength to this relationship. I will bring the nourishment. I'll bring the joy. I'll bring the purpose. I'll bring the mission. All you need to do, listen, is stay connected to me because this is your role. This is your life. Your role is to stay connected to me and to depend on me to bring strength and nourishment. All you need to do is to be connected to me Please be dependent on me. Well, Jesus is telling us something else, though, in this DTR meeting, this defining the relationship meeting. Not only are we dependent, we also are to have a very intimate relationship with God the Father through Jesus the Son, by the power of the Spirit. You know, we may have all kinds of presuppositions in this room about how close we might get to Christ. But here's my thought. 
If we were to cut a mean or an average in the sanctuary this morning, we would likely find a lack of intimacy in terms of what we think is normal and what God actually wants us to experience. When God describes our relationship, if we go back to the Garden of Eden before the fall, Adam and Eve walked with Him in the cool of the evening in the garden. You look in the New Testament in John chapter 15 and we find Jesus saying, here's how close we are meant to be. I am the vine, you are the branches. We are to be inseparable with one another. We're connected. We belong together as one body, one entity. And the Apostle Paul picks up on this. He uses a human analogy. He says that Christ is the head, the head of the body of the church. How intimate is that? Or Paul says in Ephesians, Christ is like the husband and we are like the bride. How intimate is that? Dear family of God. That's God's intention though. So we see first of all in this upper room discourse that Christ is pleading with His feather brothers and disciples to stay connected to Him as a vine that gives life and breath in all things. He is our only hope to find strength, nourishment, and joy. Now secondly though, we want to deal with this cultivation of abiding. How do you cultivate this relationship? Okay, here we go again. 25 years ago next month, in May, Elkin and I were married. We exchanged our wedding vows. We became husband and wife. She meant what she said. I meant what I said. We were married. But if that's the extent of it, it would be pretty dry and boring. That would make one wish that they would not have vowed to one another for 25 years, wouldn't it? If all we said was yes and yes, and that was the end of it. No, you would never enjoy talking with one another. You would never enjoy Uh, doing things together. You would never compliment each other. You would never lift one another up in times of adversity if all you did was just stay remained in this legal thing called marriage without anything else. No, you cultivate that legal relationship and you move towards relational intimacy. And so it is with Christ. We move beyond the legal declaration that you are justified, declared not guilty in His sight. As wonderful as justification by faith alone is, we move to cultivate the fact that we have been adopted into the family of God. That we are brothers and sisters together and Jesus is our elder brother. There's intimacy as we relate to Him and to one another as brothers and sisters. And Jesus is saying... I abide in you. You abide in me. So let's cultivate our relationship. Let's enjoy organic fellowship together. Let's live like it. Now how do you do that? Well, there are are two key statements here. And the first is, the Father prunes, and then we abide. Now, the... God the Father prunes those things in our lives that don't help us, and sometimes we resent it. I like my false gods. I like my anger at times. I like my misbehavior. 
I like what I do. And yet to enjoy intimacy with Christ and thereby bear fruit, we must subject ourselves to the vine dresser's pruning knife. This, of course, can be very uncomfortable. Our Heavenly Father may choose to prune us by allowing us to face grueling work conditions. Our heavenly vine dresser may prune us by exposing us to challenging personal relationships. Some of us may, may be pruned by having to bear financial setbacks. There are many ways in which God may prune us, yet remember this comforting truth. Effective pruning is an exacting science. It must be done properly or else the growth and fruitfulness of the vine will be impeded or even ruined. But you never find this with God the Father. He is the expert on pruning the precious branches which His Son has redeemed and given life. He knows how much to cut and when to prune. There is never an error with His handiwork. He is the faithful vine dresser who has an infinite care for us as the branches. And notice for those who don't abide in Jesus, for those who don't have a relationship with Christ, He is going to cut them off and remove them. This is not a statement of losing salvation. No, the Scripture is clear. Jesus has already declared in the Gospel that my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. No one will ever snatch them away from my hand. Paul also declares that nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. Yet there is a warning here to be confident in the saving relationship that we have in our Savior. There's salvation in none other. By pruning, though, God is not attempting to harm us, dear family. Any gardener or farmer knows that pruning promotes growth. God is pruning all of us for our good. And the author of Hebrews really hits the head of the nail when he observes that all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So the Father prunes cultivation, and yet we also do our part. We abide. We abide in Him. We abide in His Word. We abide in His love. We must have true relationship to Christ. One of being in vital connection with Jesus as the vine. It's a reliving relationship of faith in which you first trust Jesus and His merits for your salvation. It is a relationship of trust in which we receive His love and we live in Him each day. We love Him every day. We respond to His call that we heard in our call to worship. Come to Me, all you are who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Or as we will sing in our closing hymn, Jesus, I'm resting, resting in the joy of what Thou art. I am finding out the greatness of Thy loving heart. Your confidence is not in your works, your human effort, but rather what Christ has done for you in His perfect life and His atoning death upon the cross. Your dependence is found in knowing Him. You can honestly say, He is my life, my joy, my everything. The verses in the context of John 15 tell us that we spend time in God's Word. 
we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal more and more of our Savior and loving relationship. And I just pray that you see the truth here as you read the rest of John 15, that the Scriptures best reveal the person and the love and the call of Christ. The Bible gives direction for life and peace. And we also see that if His words are remaining in us and we abide in Christ, then we are able to go to Him in prayer and we are able to talk to Him and we listen to Him and He directs our paths. But here we consciously are abiding in Him. We remain in Him no matter if it seems that He is far away. No matter if your troubles seem so profound. Because the fact of the matter is that He is nearer to you than your own breath. You are one and you're experiencing life with Him. Now from this cultivation, we move to our final point, which is the purpose of abiding. What difference does all this make? Well, the branches who abide in Him and He abides in them, we will bear much fruits. Our lives are meaningful as you abide in the vine. If if we abide in Him personally and receive our strength, nourishment from Him, and then we go out into the world, know that our lives make a difference. You bear fruit as you consciously cultivate the relationship of abiding in Him. Now, bearing fruit has an aim, John 15 tells us. It's the glory of God. Jesus tells us this, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Now that's down in verse 8. But the point of planting a vineyard is not to grow pretty leaves, but rather to grow beautiful grapes that then produce the fruit that they are meant to to, uh, prepare and to offer. And so since God saved us for His glory, it's important for us to know what this fruit is. Is it not important? And here it is. Fruit is the beautiful character of Christ that is growing in our lives by the power of the Spirit. Just as an apple tree bears apples or the grapevine bears grapes, not thistles, a Christian is to produce Christ's likeness. We're becoming more like Christ. And it includes a wonderful test. It includes the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Having Christ dwell in our hearts by faith is, again, the root of all this fruit. The fruit matures in relationship with Jesus and with one another and brings glory to the Father. Now, I want to also say that in the context of John chapter 15, bearing fruit highlights the fruit of love. It's evident through our loving kindness and care for one another. I say this because of what Jesus tells us in verse 12. That this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Think about it. The fruit of love, as a fruit of the Spirit, involves the way we commit ourselves to the well-beings, well-being of others. Without any conditions, without qualification. It includes the way we embrace our spouses and treasure our children. It includes the exercising of our spiritual gifts 
for the body's benefit. It extends from the ministries of this church to acts of kindness of the poor and needy and to gracious, loving acts to our neighbors. It includes our faithfulness in being a servant to others, to our involvement in mission and in Lynchburg and to the world. You know, for us as a church, remember our mission statement that Rivermont seeks the the uh, renewing of lives through God's compelling love in Lynchburg and the world, this fruit provides a testimony to God's grace and it does bring glory to the Father. It's a beautiful thing, both to the Father who delights in this fruit and it's a beautiful thing to the world who desperately needs to know the love of Christ. That's the reason that Jesus said, love one another. By this, all men will know you are my disciples. If you love one another and you bear the fruit of Christ as you abide in Him. It's true. And it's also convicting. Someone should be able to look at any of us who abide in Christ and say, Ah, that's a Christian. Someone should look at our church and say, Ah, This church, Rivermont Evangelical Presbyterian Church, is alive in Christ. Others should know us by our fruits. So let me just ask you, are you growing in love, in holiness, in patience, in righteousness? Do you seek to demonstrate the fruit of abiding in Christ because of the relationship that you have in Jesus? Oh, my friend, He is honored whenever you bear fruit for Him. We bear the fruit, though, as the character of God's Son blossoms from within our souls as we abide in Christ and ask Him for grace to help us along the way. Now, closing remarks. Your joy, your sense of well-being, it is, they are, directly proportional to the status of your relationships. The most important, of course, now, I hope you know the most determinative relationship of them all is your relationship with our Savior. Abiding in Christ is foundational, and Jesus says it this way, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. That's verse 9. What a staggering statement. Just as the Father has perfectly loved the Son throughout all eternity, never wavering in His love, so Jesus loves you and He loves me. That's the greatest motive for being intimate with Christ. This is the cause for life in the vine. He loves us with an infinite, inexhaustible love. Abiding in Christ's love is absolutely essential. If your experience of His love fades, His commandments will seem burdensome. Serving Him will become a drudgery. And you'll be vulnerable to all sorts of temptations. But if you remain in Christ and in His love, you'll keep that love fresh by reminding yourself daily of His great love for you. And you'll never get over the wonder that the eternal Son of God loved you and gave Himself for you. That He demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
He died the death that we deserve to die so that we might have life in His name, that we might enjoy life in Christ, life in the vine. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, only the deep, deep love of Jesus, by the power of Your Spirit, can transform our lives to know the joy of intimate fellowship, of bearing fruit, and trusting You day by day. O God, may we abide in Jesus Christ as He loves us and He gives us grace to be more like Him. We ask it in His holy, precious name. Amen.